Welcome back everyone to Random's Thoughts. It's been a while since I did one of these videos, but we do have a new patch to talk about. And this, well, the notes went live mere moments before starting this recording. So this is the freshest, hottest takes on what the patch notes have to offer. Now this patch is going to be going live tomorrow, the 8th of June, if you weren't already aware. And from the looks of it and from the rumors, there are some pretty big changes that are very exciting for the world of Mythgard. So let's jump into it. So the live balancing changes for June 8th, 2021. And I'm going to read this out and then we'll, we'll give thoughts and we'll see how it goes. So aggro strategies have been in a fairly rough state lately, with the exception of Mono Red, which has both has been both very popular and very successful, highest in both representation and win percentage in Mithra Plus, as well as globally. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, so those reading along may wonder where those words came from. We're aiming to reduce its power level while also allowing other aggro strategies a chance to shine. Rather than buffing a bunch of aggro cards in other colors, we're taking the approach of reducing the overall life totals of most paths in the game. We feel this will allow for aggro other than mono red to be viable while still allowing mid-range and control decks room to exist. So let's pause there for a moment. Well, actually, let's read the next statement because it, it is very relevant. This is a fairly large systemic change and we expect there may be a couple of outliers in the immediate aftermath. We'll be monitoring feedback and data very closely, and we'll follow up with additional changes in a timely manner should they be needed. So important notes here all over the place. One, it, starting from the bottom going up, we should expect a follow-up patch, it seems, in the near future, assuming that there's one needed. Given a change of this magnitude, and I'm going to talk about that for a little while, but a change this why? And I've been on record on many occasions saying that I think the paths and the powers are the most important things that have to be gotten, quote unquote, right in Mythgard. Because in 100% of games, in 100% of games, they're there and available for you. Yes, people love to point at certain mythics or point at certain strategies, whatever the case may be. But the fact of the matter is that some games you just don't find certain cards, but your path is always there. You're power is always there. So it's very important that these things are balanced in the appropriate way so that they don't push the meta in a weird direction or disproportionately negatively impact games. So I can definitely appreciate the willingness to take a second look at this because the world could be getting turned upside down by this sort of change. Uh, now, moving up towards the top... It may seem innocuous that we're changing, and by we, I mean the, the Rhino team, we'll be experiencing the change as the players, but that the, the life totals are getting adjusted may not seem that big of a deal. But there are a lot of games, if you sit and think about it, or even maybe you don't have to think about it that long, where a defensive deck or just any deck happens to survive on two to five health. And... Even if you can't recall specific instances where that's the case, there are plenty of points in games, whether you realize it or not, where your opponent had to make a call and now their decisions will change because, oh, well, I could be dead on the following turn because of X, so I must play this life gain card now, or I must block in this way, or I can soak that extra attack because I'm not dead next turn, unless, of course, they're playing blue and F horn. But, you know, lols aside, the fact of the matter is that 
changing the life totals even by a few points, a couple points, can have huge implications. So it's kind of a big deal. So we'll see what the changes here actually are. So the path life totals. The goal with the path changes is to bring down life totals in general, allowing a bit more room for aggro strategies to push through. However, starting life changes are individual to the path to bring some paths in line with others, which is also good to hear because uh, a lot of them felt out of whack, not egregiously so, but they did feel as though it just kind of brought questions to mind of why, why this and not that, why this number and not that number. So it's good to see that they're, they're going to be coming together. So the first one up is the Alliance Command Center, which is going from five starting health to plus three starting health. And the Alliance Command Center was in need of a minor nerf anyway, and with other changes we're making to mono red aggro, we want to see where the rest of the aggro decks shake out before making further adjustments here. Five starting life is now the new highest starting life total any path has, and with trending aggro paths to lower life totals, keeping Alliance Command Center at five and nerfing some other aspect of it would be weird. I can definitely agree with that, and if the aggro... If the aggro paths have a clear cut, this is the best one, that's problematic. And I think we had that before with other iterations of Alliance Command Center. Not necessarily because of life, but it did play in because it did have more life for what you'd expect it to do. And as a result, this all this makes sense to me. Plus, I like things being in line with each other. Like, it just feels nicer when it's, you know, you don't have this one particular thing sticking out like a sore thumb. Overall, and this was not mentioned in the preface up here, but there is, or we should expect that games are going to be shorter as a result of this. And that's not necessarily bad. Shorter in the sense that, you know, there just won't go as many turns. And the reason I'm calling that out now is I think it's important to get out in front with it. A lot of the power cards that often have complaints levied against them are higher-end, mid-range to control things. Your Severing Rituals, your Grand Finales, etc. It was difficult to argue that there was a lot of tension in getting to them in a good number of games. Now that the starting life totals are going to be lower, you might have some tr some more difficult decisions to make in order to just camp out and get to those cards, which I think is beneficial that there is the tension of will I make it there, will I not, and is this card going to pull me out of a hole, is it not, as compared to before where it was not often to see somebody stabilize with close to, if not north of 20 life, and that is a very, very steep mountain to climb for a lot of decks, not just aggro. Uh, but anyway, so we'll move on to Coliseum of Strife. So there's actually no change for Colosseum. Colosseum is staying right where it's at with plus four starting life. With a path that naturally wants to be more combative and scrappy as the game goes on, keeping a life total that trends toward the higher side makes sense. Colosseum of Strife will be the only path not having its starting life total adjusted. This one's interesting to me. We did see a resurgence in Colosseum, especially with the last balance patch. So we hit Rebels... Uh, a number of other decks were just experimenting with it, and I anticipate we're going to see a lot more of it going forward. It was a common one to see pre-expansion, pre-Winter War, but then it kind of dropped off in favor of Alliance Command Center and a lot of the more 
what I've always termed as vomit-based <laughs> aggressive strategies. Now that we have ones that are a little bit chunkier, a little bit more willing to go toe-to-toe with their opponent as opposed to trying to dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge across the board, around the board, play on opposite ends of the board. Coliseum, as the explanation here states, wants to really get in your face and, as I always call it, man-fight your opponent. So, I'm... Do I think Coliseum needed to have its life reduced? Probably not. It might have been okay to reduce it or make a change. My biggest complaint with Coliseum is actually related to the pursuit, which is not something that seems to be within the scope of this particular patch. So that kind of goes out the window. As it stands, we'll we'll go with Coliseum staying the way it is. So next one up is a little bit bigger of a deal, not the least of which because, you know, something's changing <laughs> but disc of circadia going from six starting life to three disc is a great example of a path that can't be decided slowly on is the general game plan aggro or, or control and with disc decks ranging from reanimator strategies to super hard aggro we've decided to put disc at three and to see how it feels there to start so Another common refrain that you'll see in the Mythgard community is related to the reanimator strategies that are mentioned here. And it's the the hopeless necromantic game plan is something that needs to get looked at. And I think that this will be very beneficial to that end. I think that it's actually going to help a fair amount where you can pressure the necro deck and maybe get there despite them reanimating things. So I think that this is beneficial. It's definitely frustrating to try and address necro decks and especially when you need to make weird plays such as targeting removal at your own minions in order to ensure that a necro doesn't hit the board. Is three life going to it's going to change games. Is it going to change every game? Aggro into Necro? I'm not sure. Obviously, it'll depend on a number of factors, such as are you reanimating something that will actually hold down the board? Or is it just a big body and then that EQ gets Valkyrie Enforcered or something? We'll have to see. I think this is definitely positive because there, the quantity of frustrating games will hopefully decrease when this goes into effect. I'm unclear in all honesty as to how many games it's going to change because a lot of necro games in my experience feel very binary. Either you are you reanimated something obscene and your opponent is just they're just not in the game. There's no hope. Or you either didn't reanimate something really good or you just didn't reanimate something because you whiffed on your necro and you just get annihilated by the aggro deck. In which the latter case, clearly this you're not coming back in those scenarios now. It, like it's going to be even more difficult. In the former scenarios, I think aggro will be able to squeak out a few more wins. How many exactly if you were to run 10 games and that sort of scenario happened? I don't know. Two more than you would have normally. I'm not sure. I'm just kind of making up numbers, but we'll have to see. Uh, so next one up is Fires of Creation, another one that uh, people have been asking about for a while. So it's going from plus eight starting health down to five, losing three health. Fires of Creation decks have been the go-to control option for a while now. 
While we think FOC brings an interesting and unique synergy to the game, the artifacts often lead to situations where players feel they are hopeless against them, whether that's actually the case or not. Fires of Creation will continue to have the highest starting life total in the game at 25, but will no longer feel as insurmountable. We do feel the control-oriented nature of this path does lend itself to needing more help than other paths to have a chance at hitting its late game, but we want to bring it more in line with the rest of the paths comparatively. And I I agree about this. Pretty much all of it, whether it's the case or not, is good to call out because I know, my speaking from my own personal experience, like I could speak from someone else's experience, there are definitely games where mentally it's just, I can't lose, and then I lose. Or I can't win, and then I go back and look, and it's like, man, if I literally just did one thing different, I would have won the game. And not just top decking, it's I misplayed and lost. So I think it's important to call out the fact that it's not always the way things appear. However, A, things are being brought in line. B, I do think that, for example, green-yellow fires is problematic for a variety of different aggressive decks. And I think that just this slight change is exactly the one that I was referring to earlier, where having to play a slightly suboptimal misanthropia, having to force out some kind of life gain earlier than you want to, or on a turn that you didn't want to, having to take one less hit than you would have preferred. These are the decisions that are now going to come into play, especially for the green-yellow fires deck, where you often were living or dying based on a single draw or two. And having to make that suboptimal decision is going to cause a lot more awkwardness for those players, and as a result, you should have a lot more aggro wins. Now, will the Will the Garens of the world be able to still win with it? Of course. But I think that this is this is a positive change. Checking out chat real quick, because I see Dr. Whining again. <laughs> Yodeler called the nerfs months ago. We'll have to see which one, because I see spoilers. Rip Vulcan brand, we haven't gotten there yet. Called two nerfs that are in the patch. Yodeler, you got to buy some lottery tickets for us then. How's Random is good at ignoring me? He's been doing it since college. Fair. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. So, Journey of Souls. Going from six starting life to a meager four in line with Coliseum. With Journey strategies often feeling fairly similar to Coliseum strategies and with the longer value-oriented returns being to the benefit of Journey of Souls, we're putting it right under Fires of Creation. Journey, I found, was very frustrating to play as an aggro deck into, so I, I definitely agree with, with chopping this one down a little bit. I don't know that... Journey is another one where I think the pursuit, at least for me, was where the, the primary issue was. The, the start, Don't get me wrong, the starting life total, excuse me, getting change, perfectly fine with that. I think it makes sense. However, the pursuit on this one still feels very binary, it, playing on the draw with Journey versus being on the play with Journey are two wildly different experiences. And as a result, it, it's very jarring. That being said, I'm I'm very excited to try this out. I've been running Green Purple Spirits as Journey myself. Will the two life... Obviously, there are games where the two life matters, but I don't know how much it's going to affect that particular game plan. I'm curious to see how it will affect the... The red oranges, I saw a number of people on ladder running around with red purple. How will those be affected because they well, they heal less than spirits do typically? 
but they do have some life gain. So this is, this one's very interesting. Uh, Rainbow's End going from five to three starting life. This this one is also I'm going to call interesting, but we'll use a different adjective shortly. Uh, Rainbow's End is being adjusted down so as not to keep it on the same level as Fires of Creation. Moving to plus three instead of plus four should allow just that little bit of extra space to try pushing down a rainbow player before they find their big combo finish. It will also, all of this, just a caveat, all of these life reduction changes are going to embolden and make Allfather's Horn a little bit easier to play. The math gets just a skosh simpler to try and calculate because you don't have those extra life points to push through. Now, Aside from that, this is a pretty big deal because I think that aggro matchups were rough for a lot of the rainbow decks. The blue-yellow version was better than blue-orange, and obviously if you're running Valks or any of the other 50,000 different rainbow versions, Tempest has like 80 that, I mean, I mentioned them, but really only Tempest can get them to work. Uh, I'm not sure how, but he does. So... I think this one's a pretty big deal. It can make a significant difference in blue-orange. You are strapped for life gain. That two-life can certainly make a difference. And again, this is going to come to fruition and manifest in those turns where you have to decide, do I have to block or can I just push for a bunch of damage so I can horn next turn? Those are the scenarios where you're going to have to worry. It also buoys some of the aggro decks that would have just gotten blown out by or still get blown out by Thunderclap and Magnus. Maybe the extra two damage, quote unquote, to start on your opponent will help them get back into games that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to. So we'll see. This, this All of this I'm very excited about. I know I'm repeating that, but I, I feel like it bears repeating. I don't do math on horn. I do rough estimates, cast it, and then pray. Doctor, don't steal my strategies. <laughs> don't don't steal my strategies. <laughs> All right, so Rebellion Safe House going from plus two to plus four starting life. So we do have a life change, but it's going in the other direction. Safe House was showing up just a bit weaker than we'd like after this latest nerf. Putting some of its life back and trending it toward the control-oriented path life total should likely leave it in a better spot. I agree with that. It definitely could use some extra life or modifying some of the previous nerfs i in all honesty i haven't even considered safe house since the last set of nerfs just did not come to mind at all i know a number of people have tried basically turned to turn of seasons as a result and i don't know if this is going to put it back on the map i know chat was joking earlier about mill based strategies that feels as though where rebellion safe house wants to be but it's just a little too challenging to get all of the value out of your path that you need for those sort of things or any strategy for that matter with safe house compared to alternatives at least in my opinion so will this help of course is it going to put it back on the map that's more up for debate we'll have to see so the next one up is turn of seasons orange purple mill yes please we'll see we'll we'll see midge there's a I had a number of with old, old safe house versions of mill that felt like maybe something could happen, but I really feel as though you need to be yellow purple so that you can clay effigy their side to keep, get your safe house online. Uh, especially now where you need extra help to get the safe house running because you have to have gas when a lot of your cards are just not impacting the board. 
So we're, we're closing up return of seasons for the paths. It's going from plus one starting health to plus two starting life. This is an interesting path to play within this new landscape. Turn of Seasons has felt weak for a while, so giving it a minor buff feels alright. Although turn is typically used for control decks, we're not shifting this toward the higher end of the starting total spectrum because of its sustained healing over time. And I agree with that. This is broken record time, although I've kind of been like that throughout this whole monologue. I think the pursuit here is also somewhat challenging because, again, going second is wildly different than going first. You can gain a huge amount of extra health, extra life because of playing the actual tree when you go second. And as a result, I don't think this one health life change is going to make it unhealthy. This is going to break it. It definitely feels welcome. I think one extra health is fine. There will be games where, again, this is going to change both decisions and you'll survive on one when you would have died yesterday sort of thing. I'm still of the opinion that some of these need the pursuits examined more, but I think all of the paths that we talked, I mean, we talked about all of them. All of this makes sense to me, and I think it's all trending in a positive direction for the game to allow for alternative aggro strategies to exist as opposed to again the vomit based ones where it's i play a one drop on one if i go second it's one drop and a mantle and then on two i play two one drops and then on three i probably play two one drops and burn if i didn't have to burn on two to remove your blocker that sort of thing this allows more curve based aggro decks to exist or more tribal based ones chunkier ones pick your adjective of choice for how you want to describe your aggro deck a lot of them are getting a new lease on life with these changes in my opinion and i'm excited to see how they play out i'm hoping they do play out this way obviously we won't know for sure until we actually give it a spin so what are we talking about for actual oh there's a lot of stuff on here there are a lot of other cards on here i know chat was getting ahead of me but here we go Need some water. Now, it was mentioned that mono red was very high win percentage and very common. So, we start off with some mono red stuff. Alacrity. Give your minions plus one plus oh and agile until sunrise is now give all your minions agile until sunrise. Alacrity is a really strong finisher tool for aggro decks. With lower life totals around the board, we want to remove the added power from Alacrity to prevent it from ending games too early while still allowing aggro decks to go around boards they can't break if they can find lethal. I'm 100% behind this. Alacrity, and I've said this on stream before, Alacrity feels as if it's almost, it's not literally, but it's almost strictly better than Guise of Phobos. If you have two minions on the board, it's better. As compared to just guys. And guys cost extra. Oh, and if you have more than one minion on the board, it gets even better. It, it's Alacrity is very, very strong. I think the universal evasion is good enough. I think it will still be played. This effectively gives two to three life to your opponent. It's unlikely that you're playing Alacrity onto a board with four, five, six minions if you do okay, you won. Like, <laughs> you got it. You've won the game anyway. I think that this is is important. So, thumbs up. I'm behind Alacrity getting changed. 
Uh, next one up, Carney Rioter. So the new is it's going to be Breach deal one damage to your opponent. We're changing Carney Rioter's trigger from before combat to a Breach effect to slow down some of the early chip damage mono red aggro decks deal to the opponent. And I think this also makes sense because there are definitely lethals that have manifested as I played mono red from Winter Wars release to now that are enabled solely because Carney Rioter. And it, it kind of always feels weird that people don't seem to respect it. And I'm not sure why. There's often more emphasis put on Sunken Acolyte and other minions like that. Whereas Carney Rioter is just as, if not more, threatening in my opinion. So this makes sense. It's a pretty big nerf to it because now it's just another, well, not just another minion, but it's close to being just another minion since now if there's a blocker, it's just punching face. You're not getting any extra value out of it. So this is probably going to add two to three extra health to your opponent over the course of the game. So if you're taking stock at home, you were playing mono red, how much damage did you finish your opponent by? Were you hitting exaxes before or were you crushing them by, you know, you would have hit them if they were at 40 life. I think this is going to be a challenge for, for mono red aggro. It's still going to be strong. We do have the reduction in health totals, but I think ultimately in conjunction with these, so you're losing two damage off of this. You're losing two to three damage off of this, at least one, obviously, um, it's going to be interesting because right now it's looking like the aggressive builds are maybe getting the short end. We'll have to see as we go through the rest of the patch notes. So Daring Trapezus. It's going from two and one red gem to two, or excuse me, two with one red gem and two with two red gems. This change pushes Trapezus more into monocolor identity, making Trapezus on curve less common in red X decks should open up the two slot should open the two slot up a bit more in those decks sorry started a bit there mono red decks are unaffected by this change except whenever weirdos might have been playing mono red rainbows end and coining trap on one i don't think i've done that i don't think i've done that uh but this is pretty significant those orange red decks that i was talking about briefly earlier this kind of affects them. Uh, it will affect Rebel decks too because there was a very cool build. I think it was Nosebatter was playing it that was a tricolor Rebel deck splashing for Trapezist and Racer and Shadow. And I've always mentioned that I'm enamored with the idea of these tricolor Rebel decks because, you know, you can run the ones that grant you minions, the ephemeral minions, so you can burn to get the appropriate gems. That's going to be a little bit more challenging here. And I agree about opening up the two slot. And I like these sort of changes because it allows for things that wouldn't otherwise have gotten spotlight to get spotlight and pushes people to try cards. It, it, it's weird, but there, there's some level of groupthink where people just don't want to reach out and branch out and try cards that have been here for a while because, oh, well, this thing was always played over it. Why would I play that other thing? And then sometimes those interactions remain hidden. So I'm very curious to see what manifests in the trapezes slot for these sort of decks. I do really like this idea. Um, as mentioned, it doesn't really impact mono red because who cares? Which is good for Mono Red since they, they took a double hit here. Banquet finally good. 
maybe enter. We'll have to see. <laughs> that one, somebody from chat had brought up a banquet deck a while back, and it was it was hilarious to watch. Uh, I haven't thought about it much since, but we'll see. Okay, so next one up is Dread Kurgan, a card that has been memed many a time. New added stacking to brand. Really. It used to be 25 dread, banish this. At 16 dread, banish this. So Dread Kurgan has a lot of text. It does some very interesting things. Notably, if I'm recalling correctly, I'm sure chat will correct me. Minions that threaten it once it's activated have rush and overrun suppressed, I believe. And then your spirits lose ephemeral or lose and can't gain ephemeral, something like that. At 25, I don't know if anyone ever activated this outside of 2v2. At 16, and I believe the trigger is when anything dies, your opponent's minions or yours. So this could certainly be achievable. Is it going to matter at that point in the game? I don't know. If you're playing... So I've been playing a lot of green-purple aggressive spirits. Maybe a more mid-rangey... Any minion? Thank you, Terminal. Thank you. Um, if you're playing a more mid-rangey spirit deck, maybe this, this can work, because you could just... You know, you're going to be running Necros. You can try and force trades. If you're playing something like Journey or even Colosseum, then you just force a whole bunch of trades activate dread kurgan the problem is that you need to find the kurgan early and you need to get it into play early and then activate it i it's not going to count as far as i know it doesn't count while it's sitting in your deck or something you can loop necromantic infinitely with itself yes so you could do some cute things if you can get this activated i think it's still going to be very difficult but i guarantee there are going to be funny videos of Dread Kurgan activating and then hilarity ensuing. Better yet, loop Baku each turn with Vixen. That assumes the Baku dies, but true. True. <laughs> uh, there's there's gonna be some really play Baku on fast lane. Alright, now we're getting now we're getting into magical Christmas land. But I mean you're activating Dread Kurgan, so I guess we're already there. I'm very curious to see how this works. So I actually didn't read the, the blurb here. I just started talking about it. But anyway, uh, Dread Kurgan has been asked about by plenty of brewers since we released it. The idea of this effect is interesting, and we want to make the dream of it a bit more achievable. Easing the pains of getting the chase goal with this should make it a bit more likely that you'll be able to include it in a grindy spirit deck and try for the memes. We've also added stacking to the brand of Dread Kurgan to keep your artifact slots more open for other artifacts as resolve multiple Kurgans. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because otherwise, if it was chewing up artifact slots, then, you know, your Corrupt Prayer Wheel, your Gloombringers, those sort of things. Although, if somebody managed to previously, or even after this, activate multiple Kurgans, I guess once you get one, the next one's way more likely. That blurb is fairly relevant for the red changes, in fairness, true. I mean, this is... Once you get one Kurgan, getting the next set of Kurgans is probably going to be exceptionally more likely because, as mentioned, your Necros are just going to be coming back forever. So this is very interesting. 
I'm anxious to see all the meme videos of people activating Dread Kurgan. I'll probably scream when somebody does it against me, but it's still going to be funny. It's still going to be funny. It's Dread Kurgan. Ah, Icker Feast. So it's going from least, lose three life to lose four life. Icker Feast is currently allowing a bit too much reliability in mono red aggro decks and allowing them to keep up pressure without gassing themselves out. With this change in conjunction with overall health reduction, we expect the trade-off for the second and third copies of Icker Feast to feel a little bit more like an actual decision point for aggro decks. I think it's going to impact my, and many others, mono red mid-range slash control decks as well like that's pretty significant because now you're looking at negative six life versus negative eight yes it's only two but eight is a lot especially even with the plus one to turn of seasons you're still immediately putting yourself down to to what 14 health because you're at 22 like that that's a lot um that necessitates hitting extracts at appropriate times and on appropriate targets for the aggro decks i think i agree with the fact that reducing the the path life totals it's gonna it's gonna be a much more difficult decision or a much more dangerous decision i guess would be the better way to put it the reason i say that is i think in a lot of scenarios you're going to be pushed into i have to play this icker feast and I'm just going to have to cross my fingers that they don't kill me when I put myself at five, that sort of thing. So we'll have to see how that works out. Who needs life when you kill your opponent? I mean, there are definitely games where, and when I say games, I mean mono red mirrors, where things were getting decided by who found more Icker Feast. Now, playing multiple Icker Feast could put you in a bad position, and the other mono red deck or other aggro deck can close the game out where they couldn't before again eight life is a lot so we'll have to see how this does i mean this is this could be pretty significant i have to play with it because i i haven't really and this is a change that i've advocated before where i mean i was kind of being facetious saying make it five life or six life per icker feast but I mean, I've suggested other weird ones too, but I'm okay with this and seeing where it goes. With the rest of the nerfs, if mono red gets slowed down even a bit, the extra life matters or adds up. Yes, I agree, Terminal. Pretty much anything not turned is like negative 10 life with two Acre Feast. Overall, yeah, it's true. Has anybody tried cross train decks as top minions? So if you learn. I don't think so, Enter. Although chat may have some had seen something that I haven't. Alright, so moving on from Maker Feast, let's talk about Icon of the Feathered One. Uh so I know this one out before we read it, I know this one has been frustrating for a lot of people. It's kind of the shell game, which in playing other games with similar I mean it's not the same sort of effect, but similar things where you kinda have to guess, it can get very frustrating so a change here i can certainly understand uh it's going from two and one yellow gem to two and two yellow gems adding a second gem to icon should prevent games where yellow green control is dropping icon early and blocking out more damage than we'd like to see blocked it makes sense it there are a number of early game artifacts that can seem immortal 
And Icon can be one of the more frustrating ones because it's very much, you have a 50-50, depending on the positioning, maybe a, a 66-33 of damaging it, which kind of dictates whether the Icon will get popped at all. That's often what it feels like, that, that first guess. And if you whiff, you just get set back an enormous amount. So making it a little more complex to play it that early in the game I can get behind it. It makes sense. All right, so next thing up is Mimir's Echo. It gets stacking. We're adding stacking to Mimir's Echo so Mimir can do Mimir things even harder. Enjoy. We heard you like Mimir, so we put some Mimir in your Mimir so you can Mimir while you Mimir or something like that. Emphasis on the meme ear, I guess. I don't know. Which one is the Echo? Is that the, the second power or is that the alt? I don't know. I I often end up just using him for the extra power activations, which is strong enough. So, uh, or the occasional we did have that one meme way back where we we activated and then Gulavog's graced. It's the alt. Okay, fair. Okay, so next one up is Sea Lord's Trident, another one that was probably on many people's list. It's going from fourteen durability to ten durability. Decreasing the durability on Trident a bit should allow for more chances to break through it before it's tucked behind another artifact. While this isn't particularly popular in mono-red aggro lists, it's a bit too powerful overall and should bring it more in line with other artifacts. It definitely stuck out like a sore thumb compared to other ones with this enormous durability. And the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, that card is really cool. Why don't people run this? And it just seems to always avoid having a home, but this makes sense that the durability is going down. It can definitely set up some bonkers scenarios and sort of lock you out of the game, like a soft lock out of the game with rush enablers. Uh, if you start your turn with it already in play, you're in an enormously powerful position because of what it allows you to do. So I think this change both makes sense and is positive. Let's put it this way. If you were playing the, the Trident before, you're not going to cut this card now. 14 durability means the solution to it is kill them. 10 is still close to that. Yes, I agree, Doctor, but this is obviously better than... The 10 is better than 14, so I think this is positive going in this direction. Could it use more? Maybe. I like the idea that your mythic really powerful artifact is not just going to get cracked in half by Kozinga, but maybe there's an argument that it should. 10 is still a lot of durability to go through. You could easily get this thing to like two, and then your opponent slams an artifact or two in front of it to protect it, and then guess what? You're never killing it. However, there are things like Westingshire Vandals, which allow you to get at those hidden artifacts, so it's not completely invulnerable, and I think especially because of Westingshire Vandals, that if Sea Lord's Trident is a serious problem, there are more reasonable answers to it now. Means if you can hit it once, you can kill it with Kozinga. Yeah, exactly, Terminal. Um, and that's why I think it's surviving one hit from Kozinga just naked, I think is fine. Uh, and then gives you an opportunity, okay, well, I have one turn to remove Kozinga before. It puts pressure on the Trident player, but it's... You know, outside of those scenarios, you're still playing it, which I think means that, yes, it's reasonable to have changed this card. Strigoi Pup is getting a change. 
So this is a, going from a 2-1 to a 1-2. Strigoi Pup will continue to crowd out the one-cost, one-red gem, 2-1 slot, if generically playable. Moving it to a more defensive stat line should open room for more diversity in the one-drop slot of non-vampire decks, while still leaving some incentive for vampire tribal fans to want to drop a blood dolls next to this good boy. So is it now canon that, that Strigoi Pup is also a canine? Can we get that? In the patch too, is that possible? So we can get some uh, some Orboros canine decks. That would be pretty sweet. I know it's not happening. Sorry, I had to like really force my mouth closed so I didn't spit the water I just drank all over my keyboard, microphone, and everything. Uh, but anyway, this one is interesting. In no world would I have imagined that. Strigoi Pup was going to get changed. Given this description, it definitely makes sense. And the one-drop slot, you have a plethora of viable options. Um, I think Strigoi Pup was necessary for change in thinking about it if the goal is to bring aggro back. Also, it provides a lot of utility. Uh, it's As a 1-2, I'm not sure I like it. We have to see how many X2 one-drops get played simply because if this thing isn't trading, I don't know how useful it's going to be for other builds, whether it's vampire or otherwise. It needs to be able to kill something of its without help. Uh, so if X1s in the one slot are the primary thing, okay, I think that's reasonable. Check and chat real quick. So imagine this. You have a Pogger's Artifact, something like Beacon Banner or other, and you have a Fate Plagiarist on your board. Your opponent plays Shaitan Pariah. Takes your artifact. You breach with Plagiarist. Get another copy. Repeat until you have a full slot or increasing number. What? What? And or what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> Did I miss something? What is happening? Was the that's not happening in relation to my pup comment? Or was that that's not happening in relation to Enter's scenario? Because that's really wild. Yeah, you still have other uh, one red, two one minions like the performer or even Minitar, but now Pup doesn't die to an Axe Man. True. It is important that it doesn't die to an Axe Man. Uh, I mean, between Acolyte, the Carney, the performer, there's a lot. There's a lot of things. It's not as though Mono Red is starving for options, even with this change. And it also makes the mirror again, if we assume Mono Red is still a thing, which it may not be because of the changes. Responding to me saying Pup should be a canine. Okay, I figured that. I was mostly making a joke, Terminal, but I'm glad for the clarification. Uh, so, a lot of Mono Reds were a dance to get your Pup to live, and then obviously, as you'd imagine, it's kind of a big deal with it surviving, especially if you could randomly Hysterical Strength or do any other buff to make it push through for more damage. I don't think we'll be seeing as much of that, but it is pretty cool to... I I think I'm okay with this change. Like I said, I didn't see this coming, but I think it's a cool change. Uh, Sunken Acolyte. Speaking of Sunken Acolyte, I guess that's why I didn't make the list in chat for other two ones for one, because now it's a one one for one. Removing some power from Acolyte should lead to less burst damage in Red's early game. While there are other two one minions for one Red that can be used in place of Acolyte, that trade-off comes at the loss of more powerful minion that should, should you push the Breach effect through. 
honestly, I very rarely seem to be able to, maybe not rarely, it was uncommon that I was able to get the Acolyte to Breach. It's interesting. I wonder what a change would have looked like if it was the other form got modified as opposed to this. Making it a 1-1 feels really bad. That being said, it's again going to be contingent on the X2s that get played. So if you trade, you would have traded anyway. You know, like they play a 2-1, it doesn't matter that your guy's a 1-1. They're just trading. If you're able to connect, as mentioned, it's obviously significantly better. So I'm curious how this will play out. I think Acolyte still sees play. I think it's more relevant possibly in non-mono-red aggro decks. So this was often my one drop of choice in those mid-range to control mono-red decks, although there was an argument for just Strigoi Pup, and it probably should have been Strigoi Pup, but uh, Sunken Acolyte is a, a viable option there, and that's probably going to change given this. Yeah, I, I expect there's going to be some interesting reactions in Discord. But a nerf to red has been needed for a long time. This kind of feels good. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, all of the changes, it's always with the caveat that, okay, maybe more needs to be done. Maybe it went too far. We'll have to see how it plays out. But I haven't seen anything that I'm just like, no, why are you doing that? All of this, there's logic behind it, and it makes sense. These are all defensible. Please, sir, can we have more red nerfs? The sword's nerve makes me sad. Even it's probably fine. We're just we're just getting there now. But yeah. So Tiger Hook Swords. It's going from a utility action to a full action. I'm not actually sure offhand what the term for that is, but it's it's gonna be a full thing. So you can't just pull with something and then attack with the same thing. I'm looking at you, Master of Shadows, because let's be real, that's probably what the focus here is. Um we're removing the mana cost from oh I also, it's losing the mana cost. I neglected to say that. We're removing the mana cost from Tiger Hook Swords activation at the cost of changing the utility action to a standard action. There it is, standard action. This means that people looking to combo Tiger Hook Swords with Master of Shadows will need to use another adjacent minion in combination with the Master to do the combo kill things they are currently doing with Master of Shadows. This also allows the opposing player a chance to more reliably break the interaction as Hook Swords will not be on an immortal minion in most cases. I think this is a very interesting and very cool way to solve this particular issue because I know a lot of people have been calling for a Master of Shadows rework and personally, I really like Master of Shadows. I think it's interesting. However, the interaction, is, while rare, it is a mythic, I guess... Does Mythic count? Like, you can't just say Mythic in a sentence like that and have it mean the same sort of thing when you say something happens rarely. But anyway, uh, because it it would happen less frequently than a lot of other combinations, be, just by virtue of it involving a Mythic and then this other card, you needed things to line up, but it still was arguably oppressive. It happens mythically, easy peasy, <laughs> sort of. It's a lot less reliable. You can get, yeah, you can definitely keep the hook swords in hand. Like I'm not saying that you you don't plan ahead for it. Uh, in, in those scenarios, now that won't really be a factor. Now it's okay. Well, I mean, maybe you wait anyway so that you can still set it up. 
assuming you have the opportunity. It losing the mana cost is also interesting as well. I know there were definitely turns playing the orange-purple rebel deck that it was clunky in order to try and make things happen. So it's welcome to have that, but losing the utility action... Ultimately, this is like the other changes. I think it's for the better. I'm going to have to play with it to see what the actual scenarios are going to look like. Moonblade is pretty thick. Moonblade is pretty thick. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Chad. I think this one makes sense. And again, I like the idea that it was avoiding directly nerfing Master of Shadows or directly reworking, changing, whatever. I think Master of Shadows still has a home in that deck for obvious reasons. There's still a number of other ways to capitalize on this, but I think this is pretty cool. So next one up is Vulcan Brand. It's going from one and a red gem to two and a red gem. Really? So it's still going to deal three damage to you. Oh, no, it's not. So instead of dealing three damage to you, your opponent, and minions that threaten this, it's dealing three damage to minions that threaten this. Vulcan Brand represents a pretty scary amount of damage. While this card has been a pretty big overperformer as of late, we do like the field clearing effect it has. We're going to remove its direct damage and simultaneously increase its cost as part of a pretty heavy approach to mono red aggro decks. We'll be keeping an eye on this one and just as needed in a follow up patch. In its current incarnation, my prediction is this card will be cut from every mono red deck. And by current incarnation, I mean the one that it's going to. Clearing blockers is important. However, I don't know if it's important enough to justify it costing two and no longer doing face damage. By current, I mean not current. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag tears for Vulcan brand. I mean, okay, so let me walk that back a little bit. This is one of those changes that is so extreme on its surface that my immediate reaction is, well, yeah, that card's unplayable now. You can't play that. That's garbage. However... That doesn't mean it actually is. We're going to have to see how Mono Red actually looks because sometimes it doesn't matter. You need to remove multiple blockers and I guess you're going to have to do it on a trapezist on four, you know, out of hand or set up whatever in play. You no longer have the option to just plop it on a minion and then go, all right, remove me because you're going to die if you do that. So I agree about the the amount of face damage doing the damage to yourself was largely irrelevant for all the reasons that icker feast damage was largely irrelevant and all the general rules about playing aggro and card games your life total doesn't matter except for the last life um i guess that goes for any deck not just aggro but you know so i actually want to keep an eye on this also because maybe this is still going to be necessary maybe you just shift into more agile minions so that you can get through more and, and you don't have to worry about clearing the blockers i'm not sure my initial reaction you all heard is this thing gets cut entirely but on second thought maybe not it's a good change i just really like that card yeah i mean it it was a very strong card doc it, but i think it made sense vulcan brand was very infuriating to play against and it it's it's not a mythic, so your opponent could see multiples, and that's an enormous amount of damage, especially in the context of reducing all of the 
the life totals on all the paths. So I think it definitely makes sense. I think this is a positive change. However, it, it's going to drastically change things. So we'll have to see. I'm not sure it's going to go in control deck stuff, Enter, only because... I mean, it's possible. Don't get me wrong. Because it no longer deals damage to you, whereas before a control deck would look at that and go, yeah, I don't want any part of that. Uh, you could still use it as a make-your-own Magmatar, but now it's card disadvantage from the control deck unless you are removing three things because it's your minion that's got to die. And then the card. So it, two one-for-ones is not spectacular. Plus, the extra cost makes it awkward. We'll have to see. There, there might be homes for this, but... So, ooh, last change. Last change in this patch, anyway. Wings of Abaddon, going from four and a single red gem to four and two red gems. While not as impactful as the gem change on Daring Trapezes, this is a change made to be more... He made to more heavily reinforce the rushing nature of this card with Oberos's identity as a faction. I can also get behind this because, I mean, basically, if you're playing red, you're playing wings. And now there's probably going to be some debate as to whether you run it, or if not a debate on running it, there's definitely going to be a challenge in trying to make it happen. And it's not just a very easy, well, I'll wings that thing, and oh, by the way, do something else out of green red red purple red x i think this makes a lot of sense and th this is a valuable change so overall i like where this is going i like and i'm excited to see what shows up tomorrow once we get this patch no more splashing for wings yay i mean Although I said maybe people will have that decision to not run it, I think Wings will probably still show up. Wings should have Agile. It's a, it's a bird just like Perry, probably. I don't know where that meme came from, but I know that there's a meme with Rune and birds. But I don't know where it came from or what exactly the, the meme is. I just like how pretty the new website is. So we didn't bring that up. The last patch we had, the old website. The new website, like, this is pretty hot. This is pretty odd. I like it. So, uh, overall thoughts on the patch. Are there, there are definitely things that I think could have... I mean, there's always things that could have been addressed. So, that's not really a good way to put it. There are things that I would have wanted to see addressed. Or maybe slightly different changes of things that were addressed. But overall, again, I think this is in a positive direction. I think the goal is also important to take note of. Trying to make aggro a more relevant factor in Mythgard. Where up to this point, it just... At least in my experience, there were definitely viable aggro decks. Don't get me wrong. There was old yellow-purple. I played red-yellow for a while when I first started the game. There was the mono-red and yellow-purple, new iterations of yellow-purple at the beginning of Winter War. We've had, you could argue the Rebel deck is classified as aggro, uh, aggro to mid-range. And there's been a variety of other strategies, but I don't think they've hit the prominence that you would expect in most card games that aggro has. There's just a lot of cool, powerful, and fun cards on the mid-range control end of the spectrum. Evening this out opens things up a lot, and although people love to complain about aggro, and I'll tell you right now, if you're saying that aggro requires no skill or anything like that, you're just wrong. 
I mean, that's it. There's really nothing else to say about it. So I'm interested to see what aggro strategies manifest out of this. Are we going to get Valkyries rising to the top? I know Ragnar and a few other people have been championing yellow-blue ACC as of late. Does Mono Red still manage to hang on? Are we going to see a resurgence of other yellow-based aggro decks with the the new iteration of Doper, whether it's yellow-blue, something with yellow-purple? Do Rebels just fill the void and become the de facto aggro deck? Are there others? I'm real excited to see how this comes out because there's a lot of different ways and by definition, these aggro decks are going to be playing into more of what the the stated gameplay pattern of Mythgard is, which is minions fighting minions and things bashing into each other. And then, oh, this cool play happens. And then this other mythic comes in. And then it, it's going to force these things as opposed to less interactive things. I'm curious also, how are these aggro decks going to fight Necro? How is it going to shape the game? Is the... There's a lot of things that could happen. This is an enormous systemic change. As I said at the beginning, the paths are what you have every game. They're going to define every game. It's just axiomatic. So changes to these are pretty sweeping. Yes, there were a lot of cards that got big changes, and there were a lot of cards that got minor changes, and there were a lot of cards that got whatever changes. But the path changes are pretty significant. The premier aggro deck got kind of kneecapped. The next premier aggro deck took a nerf. We're going to see less splashing of red into everything, I guess. There might be more decisions of, okay, well, I, I can't afford to be this red with this particular build. We might have some some random memes like Dread Kurgan and Mimir's Echo show up. We'll have to see. I'm very, very curious, and I'm very excited about these changes. And it sounds like Chad is, is looking forward to it as well. Unless you guys tell me otherwise. But it seems like as we were going through the changes, Chad seemed mostly positive on it. We did have some lamentations about favorite cards taking uh, an arrow to the knee to bring up an old meme. But... um. This is... <laughs> that one might be a challenge there, Noah, for you to pull that one off. If anybody is curious about what he said, check out the VOD, and you can check out chat at this point. But uh, I think that'll do it for this particular video. Overall, as I said, I'm very positive about this. I'm excited to jump into Mythgard tomorrow and see what other people are trying. I'm excited to brew things again, and I think that's what we're going to be spending most of Friday doing for the next stream. But it's pretty exciting. I, I just, it's hard for me to say something else that is as succinct and emphatic and accurate about how I'm feeling about this particular patch. So with that, I'm going to close up this particular video. So as always, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Black Lives Matter. <laughs>